For joining We Are Not Our Secrets podcast. I'm JJ. This is season one, episode three. Marie, welcome to my podcast. You and I have been friends for 30 years. We recently reconnected and it's been so good to talk to you and catch up on our lives. There are a few of our conversations I wanted to bring to my podcast and that's why I have you here today. For the audience, can you tell me a little bit about your educational background? Yeah, hi, JJ. It's so great to be here with you. Um, Yeah, my educational background, I have a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration with emphasis in advertising. That's wonderful. I know uh, when you were doing advertising, for a while you went into marketing. You did use your advertising degree too, didn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So marketing is advertising. Um, It's just working on the corporate side of advertising in a marketing department. And then I've also worked on the agency side in advertising agencies. Perfect. So I just want people to know who I'm talking with, a little bit about my friends. So they'll know that I'm putting credible people on my podcast because of our subject matters. Oftentimes people question, is that true? You know, that doesn't mean because you hold a degree, you're telling the truth or not. But people <laughs> like to have, you know, credible guest. I know I've been knowing you for 30 years. We met in Southern California. We've had so much fun. And I'm reconnecting you because of some of the things you told me as friends in Southern California. One of my conversations stemmed around me telling you about one of my relationships. You reminded me that I would push men to see how angry they got. I had forgotten this. Isn't it surprising how trauma creeps into our relationships? Yes, it is surprising. And I remember at that time when you told me, because at the time, I think I I thought you were being a little ridiculous (laughs) in the (laughs) argument (laughs) with the guy and that you just kept uh, kind of pushing it, you know, and pushing him. And I didn't understand why you were, why you were pushing him, um, on the subject and then that's when you told me oh yeah I do because I want to see how they respond when they're angry and it's a, it's a test because uh, I don't want to be with somebody who you know when they get pushed may react with physical violence yes my background had me doing some crazy things <laughs> even though <laughs> instead of me having conversations. I never knew how to talk to a guy. You know, it makes sense though, right? My mom never did have conversation with my father because he ruled that castle, girl. I didn't know how to have meaningful relationships, so I put tests in mind. I wanted to steer clear of anything remotely similar to my father's behavior. So I, I tested them, you know? Someone asked me recently, how long do you vet men that you date? five years. (laughs) I believe that. I remember, I I remember this. You always had these guys that you've been knowing a long time. Oh, I've been knowing him 10 years. I've been knowing him 15 years. (laughs) And they were still pursuing you. (laughs) You still had them dangling on a string. (laughs) 
this is crazy. That's why I wanted to bring this conversation to the podcast. <laughs> I have forgotten all of that. None of this is in my book. I am so happy that I wrote the book because it cleansed me. And I know others can look inside their lives. My brother who wrote a book told me that it's a cleansing process. It's so true. The book, when I wrote it, it is so cleansing. It let me look into why I reacted like I did. Because we are not given any instructions from parents, from anyone. You're just thrown out there. At least we didn't get any. I didn't get any. Did you get any instructions from your mom? Oh, sorry. That's my dog. Um, <laughs> What's your dog's head. name? That's Abby. Abby. <laughs> get it, Abby. I know. She's, whoever is out there, she's letting them know she's here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, I did not. I did not get instruction either. No, I definitely felt like I got thrown out in the world, you know, in a different way, because my parents were divorced, where yours stayed married. And so then I had step parents. And, um, you know, I ended up living with my dad and my stepmom. And I think the difference of growing up with a stepmom is she didn't teach me any of the, the things women need to know. Um, and then, you know, my dad, He's a guy. I don't know that he knew the things that women needed to know. <laughs> he taught me other things. He taught me how to change the tire and he taught me how to check my oil. And he taught me, you know, a lot of really good life, life lessons. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, He didn't teach me anything about what it's like to be a woman in this world or how to go about picking a good partner. And, you know, that's definitely a skill my mom had because my dad's a great man and my stepdad, who my mom was married to for 34 years, he's a great man. So she definitely knew. But I think, um, you know, because I wasn't growing up, I wasn't living with her in those teenage years when I started dating. I missed out on a lot of that advice and that um, explanation about how to move in the world. And I don't know that I would have gotten it. I do think because of my situation, you know, I didn't have that kind of relationship with my stepmom. I can see that. Did she have children, I wonder? Oh, yeah, she did. She had three. She has three daughters who are, they're all quite a bit older than me. So they were already grown up by the time I went to go live with them. But that brings me to, you aren't the only one. I never got any instructions. Very few people that I've talked to have gotten instructions. And of course, my mom she lost her mom at nine. So she didn't have any instructions. Why I make the plea for early childhood counseling because of some parents' backgrounds, they cannot give the instructions that are needed. Early childhood counseling could allow children to make adjustments in their lives. It would help them with their relationships and better understand their family environments. But yeah. there are people who say that they know people who got instructions and they did a little better in relationships. I think you knew someone that had gotten instructions and did pretty well in relationships. Yeah, I definitely have some friends that I can point to and say they had a more 
open relationship with their parents when it came to talking about their personal relationships and they got a lot of guidance from their parents and they made better decisions in choosing their partners. And I really believe it's because they had that open relationship with their parents and their parents gave them feedback and supported them still let them make their decisions. You know, a few of them fell on their face a couple of times and made bad decisions, but their parents were there to pick them up and dust them off and then help them the next time. And they just learned and made better decisions the next time. I was thinking if I had to do it all over again from the lessons that I've learned, right? Yeah. I would vet people before I dated them. I always was vetting as I dated. That's why it took 10 years. And I didn't ask them questions. I figured out what they were doing and I would base my assumptions on what was going on. So I was a poor communicator also. But I think that if we were told and the audience can leave comments about what they think, but I think that we should vet people prior to dating. What my experience is and what I'm seeing people doing is you see someone, you're interested in them, they look good, and then you go for it. And next thing you know, you're having sex and your boyfriend and girlfriend, but you don't know anything about this person. Yeah, absolutely. I do think you need to learn to vet people ahead of time. And then I also think learn to listen to other people because sometimes people know things and they will tell you, oh, you don't want to mess with that person because X, Y, and Z. And you would you end, and I know I've done this, I end up blowing off that feedback because that's not what I wanted to hear. I like this person and that person doesn't treat me that way. So I don't believe what you're saying, or I don't think that they will do that to me, you know, only later to learn my lesson that no, I should have probably listened. I think that's great advice, you know, that you're saying, listen to others. So I want to acknowledge that first. I think that's great advice to give to people. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know, when you're looking through rose colored glasses, you don't always see reality. And I definitely have had my friends tell me they see things that I wasn't I didn't see and I didn't listen to them because I was looking through my rose colored glasses and just didn't think, you know, for whatever reason, I just didn't want to listen to them. And it's really because listening to them would mean I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And then we're just, you know, we think we're just dating, but then we get so caught up and we want many want them to be our boyfriends. Now, the thing about me and I may get judged for this and everybody knows, well, everyone that knows me well knows I never dated one guy. I mean, I'm not I'm not proud or disproud. Ashamed, rather, because I'm pretty sure disproud is not a word. (laughs) Because it was dating, you know? So I dated several people. But the problem was when I found someone that was who I, who they presented themselves to be, I never gave them a chance either. So that was the bad part on by me. I never stopped, like you said, 10, 15 years. I don't even remember all this stuff. That's so sad. Poor guys. I know. I know. Okay. So there was this one guy. Yeah. I remember you telling me he was hanging around for 15 years and he was such a great guy. I never understood why you never gave him, you know, that time. And he, he like had his life together and 
he just was so in love with you. <laughs> you just always kept him hanging on a string. Well, at that time, he didn't have his life together. Be uh, he had his life um, together, but he was actually with someone. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, see, when we met, it was in Atlanta. And we met in Atlanta, and he always wanted to marry me. But that was true. From first sight, he wanted to marry me. And that's the thing that I, Marie, I always had a problem with I would meet these guys and they wanted serious relationships immediately I started dating later so it made sense you know once I wrote the book these things made sense at the time they didn't because I was you know like 30 years old so mm -hmm. you would think that I would want a serious relationship by that age but being in that background of the witness, Jehovah's Witness background, I didn't start dating until I was 26. I was in that religion from 17 to 25, had my first boyfriend and first sexual encounter at 26. So when I met BJ, it was like five years later in my 30s, right? I was trying to date. And he just, on the first two weeks of us dating, he said, you're going to be my wife. I look at that and that's why I kind of backed off. I thought he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but my sister told me that my sister. Yep. She told me some men want love exceptionally bad. Also, I didn't look at men's emotions the same as women. She continued telling me they can cry and be upset. I kind of gave in over the years after my mom died. I got better. It took my mom's death for me to actually evaluate that I viewed relationships as pain. Well, I viewed the love in a relationship as pain because I had only seen my mom and dad's love and it was exceptionally painful. And it took her death to know that there would be nothing as traumatic as her death so I could get through relationships. And um, I had to rewire myself to actually give myself to someone. So traumas really affect us. Yes, definitely. Now, I remember you telling me about your son. You guys are really close. And yes. you actually give him instructions, though, on dating and sex and all kinds of things. You were telling me that. I would like you to share that with the audience. I don't know if he wants me to share. <laughs> I know, right? But share some tips for parents. Like you were saying some really good things about how you would have conversations with your son yep. as he was growing up that we never got. You know, just conversations in general. Yeah, I'm really proud of the relationship I have with my son. We have a very open relationship. We talk about everything. And, um, you know, it started... I don't know if it's because I'm a single parent and I've always raised him myself, but I also always kept the door open for conversations. And I made sure that when he asked me questions on, you know, things that can make some people feel awkward, like sex, that I didn't react awkwardly to him. Um, for example, when he was in, I want to say it was like sixth or seventh grade around that age, he just started asking me a lot of questions about sex. Like, mom, I hear people talking, what's this, what's that? And so 
we were walking one day when he started asking me these questions and we just had a very frank conversation about what all these sexual terms mean, um, how they're performed and um, using correct, you know, bodily autonomy words, no slang words. And just, just explained it. And, you know, he said, oh, that sounds gross. And I said, well, you know, <laughs> listening to it, it sounds gross. But trust me, one day you won't think it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. That is cute. And you know what? Isn't it better? Like, I would love to have had that type of a relationship, you know, with my parents or with someone that I could that was trusted, but especially with your parents, because you believe yeah. what they say, hook, line, and sinker. So if I had these conversations, I wouldn't rely on my peers because I'm sure he was getting all these incorrect words and ideas from his buddies at school. Exactly. You know? And that's what I told him. I said, you know, I want you to come with me to me with any questions you have about anything. And I will tell you how it really is because I don't want you getting misinformation from your friends. Your friends don't know what's up. I know what's up. I'm an adult. I've been through everything that you're about to go through and I will tell you how it really is. And I think that's what's just really opened the door um, for us. And, you know, he, ever since, you know, his first time and his first long-term girlfriend and they were fabulous for one another and treated each other with great respect. It was very, it was a very admirable relationship considering their age. And, you know, part of me feels like that's because we, I taught him, you know, to share his emotions and that it's okay to be vulnerable and to speak his truth. And I know they often had very open and vulnerable conversations with one another, which is why they had such a great relationship. You know, fortunately, they met so young. The two of them were just perfectly matched. They were definitely like long term. That's awesome. So his first relationship turned out great. I think it's as a result yeah. of your conversations. Now, we yeah. know that oftentimes because my podcast is entitled We Are Not Our Secrets. So first of all, I'd like to thank you for being open and honest at the beginning of this and sharing some of yourself with us. But there's a serious conversation I want to have and it's about something you told me if you're comfortable with it something you told me about your neighbor when you were 10 to 12 years old or she was about that age yeah yeah because this is why we start talking to our uh, children because you saw a lot as a child and I did too so can you yeah. kind of share when you were 10 and 11 about your neighbor that was across the street, I remember you telling me this and I wanted to bring it to the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just such a terrible story. So yeah, I was a kid in like fifth, sixth grade and I had the neighbor across the street and, um, and you can sum it up, you know? Yeah. She confided in me. So in her home was her parents, her mom and dad and her sister. And then she had two uncles living with them. One was her dad's brother and one was her mom's brother. And she confided in me that both the uncles were raping her. They were regularly having sex with her. And um, 
then at some point the father found out and instead of kicking the uncles out the father ended up also raping her it was terrible and um, you mean she confided in her father is that what happened no she confided in me and she did but did she tell her father i thought you said she told her father and once she told her father then he started raping her no the father found out he like caught one of the uncles in the room oh my god yeah okay go ahead and so then instead of you know defending his daughter and kicking the uncles out he just ended up doing it as well i mean how terrible is that and it was all kept hidden from the mother and I remember being over there one night for a sleepover and the three of us were in her room, me and my friend and her younger sister. And one of the uncles came in that night and he um, was trying to get with her while me and the sister were in the room. Like he was telling us to just get on the floor and get out of the way essentially. But we ended up getting him to leave and so nothing happened. So I actually witnessed it, which is really crazy. And um, then uh, and then not too long after that, I moved out of the neighborhood. But I came back a year later to visit a friend who lived in the neighborhood. And when I came back, she was pregnant. And um, so now the mom had found out. She was divorcing the husband. The uncles had been kicked out. And she was having the baby and the mom was having her put the baby up for adoption. And then they were going to move out of the area and start fresh somewhere else. So, wow. Super traumatic. Thank you for sharing such a personal traumatic story that occurred. And this is why I am writing the book. We are not our secrets. There are many stories like yours. It's just that everybody's quiet about it. Yeah, because, you know, like I knew about it and, you know, I don't know why I didn't go tell an adult. I think that's kind of crazy. Well, we never talk about sex or sexual incidents or abuses or what that means. It's kind of like we're protecting. Yeah, I find. Yeah, exactly. Oftentimes when we're raised in trauma, we learn to protect our abusers. And so we learn to protect abusers. And then I also think. Uh, God, don't get me started on this. It's that we live in a patriarchal society and there's always something about protecting men when they don't deserve it. And another thing is that statistically, men are in the higher number of abusers, but some women do too. I'm finding as I did my book, several male friends have told me that they were abused by mothers, friends, and aunties' friends. And this does not take away the fact that men are the higher number of abusers and they do molest and sexually assault young boys. There are a lot of men that have been abused, but they just don't say it because uh, it's hidden. And that's some of the things that I've been learning, you know. I sure do thank you for sharing that story with us. One of the things that I want to stop the silence around abuse because when you stop the silence it's out in the open and it's not hidden yes we really need to tell our truths as adults we couldn't tell when we were children we didn't know what that meant what all was going on and we were children we had no clue on how to protect people we had no clue on what to do and also i think simple instructions 
not that the children are at fault ever, but right. a simple instruction of appropriate and inappropriate touching and no one, you know, should be touching you. And if they do, then you come and tell me. Mm-hmm. And then parents have to follow up and believe the child and do what's necessary, you know, to um, to uh, make sure that the child is protected. Right now, like you said, based on our society, the hierarchical society, we are built, I'll say, to protect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much because, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you have something else to say? Yeah. I was going to say that just has to change because all it does is just creates that cycle of abuse, right? So it's about changing that cycle and because abuse won't stop until we change the cycle and we make it, we make a safe place for people to talk about being abused and to be supported when they come forward. I mean, I still see so often you know, someone who reports an abuse and obviously there's some more things that are high profile that show up in the news, but then they're discounted um, because the person that they're accusing is a powerful person and that has to stop. Yes. So I think, and I could be wrong, but it's my suggestions based on my childhood that I lived. We must start to instruct our children because then they can tell us if we tell them that these things are out there, now we know that we aren't trying to go around and make them afraid of life, but we want to give them the tools that they can make it through life. And as I mentioned earlier, it is a cycle. Many parents were neglected and abused themselves and don't have the tools to tell their children what is appropriate and inappropriate They are carrying their shame and guilt. And also because of the way that is hidden, many parents will not know because of the silence. Because many of people are broken as a result of the trauma they experienced when they were young. Yeah, Yeah, they're broken adults because that girl, I would love to know your neighbor, what she's doing and how she is faring. I bet it's not very good. Yeah, I have no idea. It was a long time ago and I lost contact with her a long time ago. I have no idea. I think it's not very good based on women that I've been speaking with whose fathers molested them or who experienced some form of sexual assault when they were children. By their stepfathers or? By uncles or by someone, uh, the uncle's friend or daddy's friend so they aren't faring that well many of them are having traumatic experiences right now right yes is there anything else you would like to add today to the podcast i'd like to thank you for having me on and i'm you know really excited for your book to come out i can't wait to read it thank you marie i appreciate that so much and you know i am honored to have you on my podcast often when you talk about stuff like this you wonder should I put it out and then you look around and you see so many cases of people continuing this cycle and I know that it's still happening I talked about this subject on Twitter spaces you wouldn't believe the amount of people that opened up about their childhoods one 
person, it was a guy too, it was several guys, said, I never told anybody this before. But when you say we are not our secrets, it kind of frees you of that. Because when we are minors and if some adult, our family member that's an adult is doing something to us that they shouldn't be, we have no control over that. Yet we will say, I'll take that secret to my grave because of the shame and embarrassment and society hasn't made it so that we can come out and speak about these things. Yeah, well, I think what you're doing here is great, right? You're creating a safe space for people to come talk. I'm sure your book will resonate with a lot of a lot of people because no one really talks about the abuses that they've gone through. You know, a lot of people are in therapy because of the, the abuses and the trauma. And, That's so true. You know, we're all just trying to lead our lives the best we can. You know, the trauma we experienced can affect us in some manage it better than others, but it can really shape our lives and how we live it. So true. Well, that will end our podcast for today. I am so grateful for Marie joining. I hope you come back again. I know you have other uh, secrets that fall in line <laughs> with some of the things that I experienced. And uh -huh. I want people to know they aren't alone. Yeah. And there's things that we probably should talk about. And if not, I'm going to talk about it anyway, because I know I am not my secrets. And those right. secrets form us into the adults that we are. Yeah. And I made mistakes as a result of some of the things that happened to me. And uh, that's what happens in life. We're all flawed. If you think of anything else that you want to say in the future, you can hit me up and I'll sure have you back on. Okay. Sounds good. You have been listening to We Are Not Our Secrets podcast. I'm JJ and I thank you for listening. Have a great day.